what's it like on the sideline when you're watching Russ, you know, throw it, chuck it around, and all those guys make plays and put up 38 points? <laughs> I'm not used to it, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting to know um, when we do come off the field, we can, um, you know, definitely, you know, make our adjustments, uh, catch a breather, um, you know, for us to go out there and do what he do what he, he's always done. I, I'm just happy to be a part of this organization, man. And these guys were telling me they're, they're happy I'm here, but I'm, I'm, I'm really happy I'm here, man. I'm, I just see so much talent, so much, uh, you know, uh, great success coming our way um, as long as we just continue to, you know, keep our head down and uh, continue to strive. But obviously, it's only one game. Uh, one and zero. That's what matters. Uh, we got to, you know, clean this, clean up the, this film, and then get better for next week. That was a fun way to kick things off. Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast, a podcast UK Seahawks fans. Same as always this week. Join myself, Stuart Court, is Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Not bad. I've no idea what you said in your intro. To as much as I thought you were about, no, 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 I'll redo it, I'll redo it. But I think you made, you've made you kind of cobbled your way through. So uh, let's hope that the rest of the show lives up to those heady heights. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to speaking with a mask at work, so I'm Fair not enough. used to pronunciating and uh, broadcasting my voice, which is always good for something for a podcast nah, overrated. Uh, to uh, say. But yeah, uh, Sunday, the Seahawks kicked off the 2020 NFL season. And I'm not sure what we expected, Adam, but it kind of wasn't in that form, was it? No, I didn't expect that. And I mean that in a hugely positive way. I mean, there was just so much to like about it. Um Offensively, obviously, they they opened it up a little bit. Whether that was by design or you know they just got the right looks, you know, I think you probably need to see a bit more of a sample size to, to suggest whether that's going to be like a a long running thing or it was just uh, the right horse for the right course. Um, defensively, the ultimate bend but don't break performance, which you know again whether that's going to work against the slightly more efficient teams, I don't know. But the way in which they were getting off the field on third and fourth down. Was was awesome, um, and yeah, it was just it was super fun, really fun to watch. Um, more more of that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously, the defensive stats don't read well, but you could easily point to some of them going, "Wow, look, the game was well in hand." But on the offensive side, it was the Seahawks were went for the was it the green pepper or red tomato was back in it was no green tomato red peppers on ready steady cook, and they <laughs> did let RW three cook, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it got a little bit annoying. Like, the phrase has done so well to circulate. That actually, it's a little bit annoying that every time there's an incomplete pass or there's a slightest bit of quarterback pressure, I think Mark Sherlaff, however you pronounce his name, was like, well, that's the risk you run when you let Russ cook. So, well, every quarterback gets sacked. Like, that's just the way <laughs> it's the game goes. Carson Wentz got sacked eight times on Yeah, Sunday. exactly, exactly. So... I did find it a little bit trite the way in which you know every negative player is like, yeah, should just go for a two-yard inside handoff. That would that would <laughs> much better. Um, uh, and yeah, so that like it was amazing to see how he could just sling it. I mean, the efficiency was ridiculous. I think he was a hundred percent perfect on passes uh, to anyone not other than DK Metcalf, um, which is kind of it's convenient to watch how that progresses with DK this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, and just, I, I don't know about you, but I was just struck by the depth. Uh, you know, the number of names that were coming out, you had David Moore contributing and Olsen and Disley and obviously DK and Tyler and Freddie Swain, 
Is he a real mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. He caught a pass. You got Colby Parkinson at some point. He'll catch passes. Uh, you got Odell Beckham Jr. He'll be catching passes. <laughs> so you know the way in which they were slinging it. Like it was for the for the first time. I really thought, wow, this is there is a serious depth to this team now that we've not seen for a, for a long while. I, I was um, very, you know, not even cautiously optimistic. I, I was buzzing off that. And also Josh Gordon to add to that mix yeah. at some point as well, once the NFL gets to his paper. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think the fact that like, like the DK thing is, I mean, one was a drop. Um, yeah. I mean, if all four, I didn't realize that until you said it and it, you are right. All four incompletions were, but 31 for 35 for Russell Wilson. It's just like, it's one of the more, it's a ridiculous thing to say for a guy who's won a Super Bowl when as many games as he has in eight, nine years. But that is up there with one of, I mean, that's, like we, we haven't started the season with Russell Wilson like that, have we? No, I mean, if you think back to some of the previous road games, um, Denver. Um, His first game, Arizona, we had 60,000 players from the two-yard line. The Packers game a few years ago when Naz Jones had the pick six called back and you know Mike Daniels was just living in Russell Wilson's face. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was like a composed it was like a November performance from Seattle that we've not seen in September for ages, if ever. It was, yeah. It was great. Yeah, uh, DK four four catches for ninety five yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett eight catches for ninety two yards and there's just like there's a clip. Russell Wilson has today won the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and I'm sure that was something which you were really keen and uh, oh, delighted that he won. Got the party <laughs> poppers. It was great. Yeah, but it, like the clip they've put out with that is just—it's like everything just kind of is in. It was in a, as you say, like a post-Thanksgiving uh, rhythm, madam. Yeah, I mean the DK thing. I'm trying to think of an analogy, and I think actually cricket is is one of is the analogy I could go to. Like, if a fast bowler goes for five fours and then takes a wicket with his six ball, you've got a wicket and he's averaging twenty. And I kind of feel that's almost like what DK is going to be. Like, there's going to be some plays that you can't believe he's not made. But I think that's just always going to happen with him. But he's he's your ultimate strike bowler. Um, he's just he's just lethal. And you know, at Rabel's call on the fourth and five, which I'm sure we'll come to at some point, which is great. Like you're going to leave him one-on-one, like forget about it. And he's right. Just don't do it. Yeah. Also there's one later on in the game where he just, he leaves, I think it's AJ Terrell. who was like 18th pick in this year's draft. And he just leaves him completely for dead with a pretty uh, nice route, which is obviously something which is kind of, he's always going to cloud his, um, journey in the NFL to put it in such a fun, such a puffy way but never mind um, but one, one other thing which really popped for me is that Greg Olson looked like Greg Olson which we've seen for the last 10-12 years in Carolina which is arguably one of the bigger positives I mean the touchdown he caught was I'm not sure how much he knew about it but he he was early a, big, a part of the offense and someone which was, was already, or, already seems to have a pretty nice connection and partnership with, despite the lack of game action they've had, apart from obviously two or three scrimmages of them. Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, you know, the screen that they ran for Carson second set, I think. Wilson will dump it off for Carson here with blockers in front. Chris Carson, touchdown number two. Carroll said that was the best screen. Yeah, uh, right. 
Yeah, he did say that. And then if you watch it, none of the linemen block anyone. <laughs> <laughs> like Damian Lewis just runs to the end zone about a yard and a half in front of Carson. I don't understand. I, I don't understand what I don't like. That's not a screen. That's just garbage from the Falcons. But anyway, but yeah, yeah. Um, but on, but saying that, we put thirty-eight points up, and Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde had twenty-three and twenty-one yards, respectively. It's, it's a, it was a very way to see unseahawky way to get to a pretty comfortable win. Well, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe that's the the way of the future. Um, look, there's certainly going to be some games where you're going to need your ground game, and I don't think anyone's got any objections to that. I, you know, no. one of my favourite ever games when Marshawn Lynch went absolutely ham against the Giants in Seattle ran for four touchdowns and it was just like, well, they can't stop him, so we'll just give him the ball. Yeah. And that was great. And I've got no objection. If there's a time where, you know, Chris Carson is absolutely bullying someone, great, have at it. But, you know, the fact that they can do the other thing, um, that gives me the most hope going forward. And I think, you know, the, the, the brigade that are looking to get Wilson more involved, I don't think anyone's going anyone's gonna to object to a great game plan around Chris Carson that wins you the game because Carson's just eating every time he gets the ball. But the fact yeah. they can show they can do the other thing on the road and actually have that as their as their default in a game, that, that's wicked. Yeah, 31-35, 3-22, four touchdowns. And Adam, you put two and a half as the over-under. And after it being poleaxed almost immediately with the first play being a sack, they only give up three sacks. The new, well, the new right side, Ethan Post is your centre, Damian Lewis, the rookie, uh, right guard and Brandon Schall at right tackle there was a few hairy moments but after a somewhat disastrous first play it kind of corrected itself and again give Russell Wilson the time needed and as you said in this pod before it was just about good enough to put up 38 points which it I mean three sacks isn't ideal but three sacks 322 four touchdowns and 38 points that will do won't it yeah, and one of those sacks was massively on Wilson, where he was just waiting, 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 and got. It actually should have been uh, a penalty for a hit to the. You know, yeah. <laughs> clocked him in the face, and he never get those calls. No. That one was completely on him. He was waiting, waiting, waiting. That was very much a coverage and or QB sack at most. There's only so much you can ask the offensive line to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, don't be shit, and they weren't shit. Yeah, they were definitely not that for the most part on Sunday. Uh, defense, what was your favourite play? We've put this out onto Facebook, so we'll get to it now before we get to the defensive, because I think most of the stuff is which come back in from everyone is offence. But what was your favourite play from or plays uh, from Sunday, Adam? Uh, well, I know that obviously there's going to be a few obvious ones, but my favourite one I think was, I can't exactly, I think it was, it was, it was a fourth down, and I'm not sure if it was a sack or when he uh, blocked a pass, but Benson Mayoa just came off the edge looking like a giant um, and, and smothered Matt Ryan. It was great. It was, it was on a big, quite a big... It was fourth down. And I think it might have been in the first half. Um, it, was, it was to the left end zone on, yeah. the, on the screen. So in the second quarter or third quarter, I think... Ryan to throw, being chased by Mayola, who catches up to him back near the 20 and closes out the drive with a sack. And that was great. I loved that. It was, uh, you know, we've all had our laughs and our discussions and our, our fears about the defensive line, and they, they may not be you know, perfect, and we'll see what they're going to be like against a slightly better offensive unit than the Falcons, but they got the job done, and, and they made some really splashy plays at the same time. 
Yeah, uh, but he asked on, the, as I say, on Facebook, Jordan said that the Disley and Olsen bump into each other, which I completely missed, I've got to be honest. Yeah, apparently they um, behind the line uh, of scrimmage. Yeah, I have no idea. It's some pre motion stuff. Uh, Ryan said that the fourth down was awesome, but also that Wilson launching the touchdown or ballistic missile, as he called it, to Greg Olsen. The going for it on fourth down to DK and shared by Connor. I think my favourite play was the fake punt and then Marquis player just using his um, just using his weapon like Omar Little uses shotgun in Baltimore in the mid 2000s and he just he shot at, he just it was directly on the point of the ball and then come out and Freddie Sway and that man who might be a regen popped up first three and out forced by the Seattle defense it's a fake Trying to run it up the middle on a fake punt. A little bit of a juggle of the ball. I think he fumbled it. And there may have been a fumble there. Marquise Blair coming in there, putting his nose right on the football. Watch him come from the far side, sees it, dives down, puts his helmet on. The- just, that was just kind of that halted any momentum the Falcons could, could have built with that fake punt, didn't it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, now that you... Retros- this is going to be a stupid thing to say as per- <laughs> episodes of evidence it was quite an obvious time to fake punt yeah like i wonder if they were you know i'm sure they're always told watch out for the fake but at the time of the game where it was in the field i thought now that i think about it it's like yeah if i was going to do a fake punt that's probably where i would do it and when i would do it so maybe blair was slightly more ready than he would have been if it was like on the falcons 25 yard line or something um but he absolutely shot like a cannon to, to get it and it, it was awesome I mean obviously there's a there's a podcast alone on Jamal Adams plays that we could talk about which I'm sure yeah. you're going to in a second yeah. that fake pump was, was seriously cool yeah and as Neil points out in one of the comments it's one of the things that as he says one of the things the Seahawks lacked last year was field position which is such a massive thing for Pete Carroll and that is as Neil puts it hopefully a harbinger of things to come on that side of the ball because that's a, that's a good point isn't it that it's like the, yeah the Falcons put up yards and some garbage time points as well but a lot of that came from deep starting deep in their own territory didn't it which is a, a thing as Neil said we didn't really see much of consistently last year yeah I mean I always find myself a bit more distracted with the 6pm games because you've got red zone in the background but and so sometimes when you're punting not necessarily watching it as intently as I will be on Sunday night but from all accounts I thought Dixon had a better game than he has done for you know for, for large parts of last year. He he was he was back was the official kind of declaration. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, it's it's Pete Carroll's. The, the, there's only certain things you're going to change about Pete Carroll's mantra, and you know, mm. the field position is certainly one of them that he he hugely values. Yeah, uh, Gareth also said to Benson Mayola, Superman sack Mark joined the party a crew of people's picking out the fourth and five James said that the Carson's screen touchdown which uh, yeah well, well I think I might need to reach what we watch that wouldn't see NFL decides to put up all 22 one offensive lineman I think well, there, was, there, was, there was there, there was three of them but Damian Lewis a thousand percent did not block anybody he's just running in a straight line yeah he's having a, he's having a great time <laughs> yeah. he almost it's either like on a like a kickoff that's yeah. the touchback or like he's coming <laughs> yeah. up like a tunnel and he's just yeah. running <laughs> and uh lucky's lucky said that both teams taking the knee uh on the kickoff the opening game kickoff as some things are just more important i mean we saw a lot of things come out of 
what KC and Houston did, well, more from what the reaction to that. But that was, I mean, I didn't really pay much attention to what other teams and what other games did. But that was that was a pretty cool thing to watch, as performative as those type of things are becoming, Adam. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's going to. We we discussed it last week about the the reclamation of the narrative, and um, it'll be interesting to see how how that progresses during the season, but. I, I mean, by all accounts, it felt like a pretty normal weekend in the NFL, didn't it? Yeah. Even all that's yeah. gone on with COVID and no fans. Like, I don't like the idea of sport without fans because I think it, you know, just kind of, as someone that does go to the matches on a regular basis of the team he supports over here, I kind of feel like this is, the sport is ultimately for me. Like, it, it, sport was invented as an entertainment vehicle for the public and obviously now yeah. that's changed because there's TV money and contracts and whatever but um, you know I don't agree with the fact they're playing any games without fans I never will but within that construct you know it was it, it didn't feel like there was anything missing which is weird no. but also it might be because obviously you're you, we both used to go in Saturday 12 o'clock make our way to the football ground or whatever time Spurs are on on Amazon Prime or whatever it is Um it's, it's kind of more of our routine and our routine with the Seahawks apart from what it's once twice a year that. is watching it on TV so maybe that's yeah, kind of why uh, on the defensive side obviously they put up Matt Ryan with three for 450 yards they had three Julio Jones Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley all went for over 100 yards with Calvin Ridley getting two touched two touchdowns but boy oh boy Jamal Adams is rather good isn't he yeah I mean it was just ridiculous <laughs> it was it like it was instant it, it wasn't even and i don't mean to start on negative it wasn't like even all good he was just there all, all over the place yeah like he, he was headbutting people he was headbutting his own team he was getting tackles missing tackle he, like every play he was there and yeah. just to have someone that is is you know a fact that you have to think about on every single play now anywhere on the field you know not an offensive coordinator never will be but I just imagine that has to be such a consideration you have to take in now yeah I mean 12 tackles two tackles for a loss two quarterback hits and one of the two Seahawks sack the other one being that Benson my other one on fourth down I mean back in the day watching Kov, Kov uh, with Gary McAllister was a thing where he touched every blade of grass and he said that's what Jamal did on Sunday I mean I'm not too sure if, like, because he played for the Jets, we didn't really pay that much attention to him because obviously they weren't really on the national stage that much. But like, it was, it, it was just, it was. I think, I think by quarter past six, I was messaging people going, "Right, Jamal is just ridiculous, man." It's like it was, it was an in, not 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 necessarily an upgrade because Earl Thomas, one of the best players in franchise history, but like it was like Earl Thomas plus plus. Yeah. Like obviously the coverage, it was, it was, the yardage was so high, but yeah. the stuff he was doing from that position was just madness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like I, I don't think I've. I mean, obviously, we've, like I said, we've had a lot of upper echelon players, especially in that defensive secondary. But I don't think the love has been so 
and like the adulation has been so instant as it was because it was just everywhere. I mean, I think people, I think there was like four or five co- comments and posts on Twitter and Facebook about buying a Jamal Adams jersey before <laughs> yeah. the game had finished on Sunday. It was just, and again on the arbitrary weekly awards, which mean very little. If Russell Wilson's winning Offensive Player of the Week, J- Jamal Adams did more than Ryan Kerrigan's one sack and one fumble recovery. <laughs> Yeah, if no, we're being honest. Like, I'm looking forward to watching him on Sunday almost more than any other player. Which yeah. Is for the uh, yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same. I didn't think we'd mention him in week one, but it's the same as Clowney last week, like last year, really, wasn't it? Because, like, obviously, but he had, uh, like, a visceral impact on everything which we were watching. Yeah. Clowney was kind of just an early man more often than not, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I mean, we, was, we would say on a, on a Wednesday night, Clown is the one to watch this week, kind of almost yeah. out of right. This is the week it's going to take it. Yeah, I know Jamal Adams is going to take <laughs> it, and that's that's wicked. Yeah, it's class, and also he has um, thigh pads which in Blake Bracey brand the number thirty-three and uh, through his hmm. uh, trousers pants, whatever they want to call them, as well, which is fun. Uh, we talked about about some my I mean, we, there was a lot of hand-wringing about the money they gave him but as you say he made a big play at a probably relatively important juncture I can't remember like the context of it but like that's the kind of play we want to see more often Bruce Irving was relatively quiet but I think what the biggest benefactor from Jamal's chaos theory calls in was number 54 Pete Carroll said earlier that he thinks it's the best pass defensive pass the deep the best game from Bobby Wagner as it, when it comes down to pass defense he's probably ever seen from number 54 which is somewhat remarkable and ridiculous but also uh, encouraging and exciting with another 15 16 weeks and hopefully a few more years with him and him with Jamal right behind him Adam yeah I mean look I, I would presume that most of our listeners slash listener they don't, they're not necessarily in for kind of X's and O's and they're you know, tuning in for more of like eyeball reactions to what we saw. And like the eyeball test from Bobby Wagner was like he was at his 100% peak from two or three years ago, as far as I could tell. Like last year, there were evident signs that there was a step missing for whatever reason. Not, you know, that, not necessarily, well, clearly not a permanent thing, but he just wasn't as good last year as he was the year before. But it was as if on Sunday, like 2019, didn't even happen. Yeah, uh, um, there cannot be that much of a. It, it, it can't be a coincidence that Jamal is behind him, and that happens surely. Agreed. Uh, also, anything else on the defensive side, Adam? I mean, Todd Gurley was kept uh-huh. relatively quiet, got in the end zone, but that was from like half a inch. Fourteen rushes, fifty-six yards. I mean, after. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running backs were relatively quite league wide, weren't they, over the weekend? Yeah, they were. I I think Shaq Griffin is one to watch this season. Um my, my one of my biggest pet hates in the NFL is X player gets a contract that sets the market for the league, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's this player gonna think now? Like Patrick Mahomes gets a contract. People are like, oh my goodness, what's Dak Prescott going to think? Well, no one gives a shit because it doesn't make a difference because one is a, mi- a million times better than the other one. Now, this isn't quite the same, but when Jamal Adams gets his contract, the first thing I'm reading is, whoa, Shaq Griffin, you know, what's he going to think? Well, Shaq Griffin's not in the same caliber as um, Jalen Ramsey. Sorry, like he's, he's just, he's not at that level. And I thought on Sunday, he 
he was mixed and I'm interested to see how that's going to go with him in a contract year and what that's going to end up with because I don't know he's obviously a very good player but he hasn't had a pick for 18 19 games now I don't think and obviously he's playing against Julio and Calvin Ridley who are two of the better receivers which doesn't make it easy but I thought there was quite a bit of sloppiness to his play but then also that unbelievable top corner left hand save tip it around the post which was brilliant so I I haven't got an issue with him at all but I'm just interested to see what happens with him going forward because for me he's not yet made the step into the conversation of the league best which some people have put him in but I just don't know where I, I think the next, this year is going to kind of situate him and, and we'll see whether we're right or wrong not to get him paid early because um, I, I, I'm not sure how he's going to, what we're going to be talking about in three months' time. Yeah, I mean, I still think the team will, well, I know, I know this isn't what you were saying, but the team will pay him. I don't think he's going to ask for Jalen money no matter what he does this year. I think he's, I think he understand his place and position somewhat and obviously... Yeah, he has a. I don't know. I think Shaq Griffin is. He has a lot less room for manoeuvre. I know Sherman didn't make many mistakes, but he has a lot less room for manoeuvre than probably Sherman ever did. In what sense? I just think every time, like every time Griffin gives up a pass, it's like, oh, he's he's oh, there goes Shaq Griffin again. It's like, yeah, but other teams are other teams are allowed to complete passes against True. our players. But I've never had a problem with like the you know the six yards. Out, yeah. Like when he's not playing press, I've never, never minded that. But no. I thought he was quite sloppy and like just in fifty fifties on Sunday. But maybe you know, he hasn't he hasn't tackled anyone for a year, so yeah. that's probably understandable. But I just want to watch it and see what happens. Yeah. Also, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, the Patriots do not have. So this the I mean, yeah. There's some context if he does have a bounce back game. I think Quentin Dunbar. I think he struggled more to be honest there's one play which I think maybe Alistair Court pointed out where he kind of strung the, the play along for Jamal Adams to come up and make the hit and make the tackle but there was a lot more targeting of him I kind of thought from my, my kind of I, I watched it on mute so I have no idea what really who was being targeted but Dunbar seemed to be more uh, aggressively targeted by Matt Ryan who is still a pretty good quarterback and that kind of needs to be brought into the mix when you look at everything in a wider context in the game or something because I mean that's a pretty good offence he's got the arguably the best receiver in the league he's got what a top 10 quarterback oh easily Matt Ryan yeah. easily easily yeah so yeah I think that's probably the biggest encouraging thing like we gave up garbage points and garbage yards to a team with Julio Jones in I mean and the defense was arguably the bigger issue because the offense has Russell Wilson. Um, anything else on the defensive side? No, I think that's probably probably all I got. Cool. Uh, well, obviously, out Jamal, Bobby Wagner, the ones to praise, and Russell Wilson. And who else on the offense would you give like a three? If you're in ice hockey, the three stars to. Um, I, I kind of feel Wilson just made them all better yeah I don't think anyone else kind of jumped out particularly as yeah Lockett made a couple of nice catches obviously um I mean I mean Lockett caught eight of eight so I mean that's not bad no uh but yeah so Seahawks start one and oh the Rams won uh their home opening that's a ridiculous building they've built down in LA by the Arsenal's 
Stan Kroenke. And then the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray uh, won in Santa Clara. And, oh, my God, Jimmy Garoppolo, Adam. Yeah, he didn't look good. But the card. I mean, I, I love the way the Cardinals play, play offense. And, you know, for, for uh, Kyler Murray and Nook Hopkins to not have a single preseason game to get going and, and play what they did was, was amazing. Um, it's got a bit of talk, but Larry Fitzgerald earns them three points with about eight seconds to go in the first half with just an amazing heads-up play where Hopkins gets tackled uh, in inbounds and Fitzgerald, who's standing near him, picks the ball up, sprints in fields so that Murray can clock it in time for a field goal. Like Just little stuff like that is just so, so cool. Yeah, uh, and like there's probably three receivers in the league that would think like that and he's one of them yeah. um, that, that was great to watch and uh, yeah the, the Niners did not look fluid at all no not but apart from most of it and actually they'll sign most Sanu this week because they have no receivers left Richard Sherman's gone on IR today I think that's the short term one so he's out for three or four weeks so it's not Keller Winston's got concussion the Super Bowl hangover is hitting harsh and early, like we saw 12 months ago on the Rams, Adam. Although the Rams do have Derek Goff, so. <laughs> yeah, very sad times for the Niners. I, I do send my heart. <laughs> no, my, uh, all my love and support in this trip. <laughs> man rush. Russ looks. He's going to lay it up over the top. He's got a man down there. It's Metcalf. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. On fourth down and five. Russ takes the snap, stands back there like a patient man and waits, and 14 gets open for six, a 38-yarder. Holy smoke. You guys are covering DK Metcalf with one man. Forget about it. He beats him for six. Yeah, week two, the Seahawks return uh, home with no fans, piped in crowd noise. Pete Carroll spent a weird amount of time talking about the decibel level they're allowed to have. Apparently, it's 70 for crowd noise. Adam, if you were uh, wondering that, 75 is allowed for music in PA. Um, yep, that was uh, that's what he was talking about. The, the face, the new New England Patriots, Cam Newton and his Inspector Gadget wardrobe rolls into town after. A pretty impressive and pretty not comfortable but I don't know it's, it felt somewhat elementary that win the Patriots got against Miami on Sunday it was a few hair on scare on but they always kind of felt they were in control but this is this is not your was, was it you're not your father's Patriots are they no I mean it was interesting and this is going to be a weird kind of way to, to discuss it but when the Buccaneers have a kickoff where one of their players runs into another player, which causes a fumble, which gives the Saints the ball with, with you know twenty yards out, there was an interesting comment of like, "Well, you know, Tom Brady would have just taken for granted that his previous team just don't do things like that." Mm-hmm. And now you're on a different team. You're on a, another team where probably twenty five of the teams in the league are coached to a level which is just you'll do stupid. Me, the Seahawks don't do stuff like that. Like stupid, really, you know, with two players, you know, competing for the same, you know, the, the same kickoff. Not, not that I can think of anyway. But and that just got me thinking about, you know, if you look at how the Patriots played, they're just coached. It's it's boring, but they're just coached so well, and they just don't make stupid mistakes. And no. they're not they're not going to leave DK Metcalf one v one press coverage with a you know with no safety help over the top. It's just not going to happen. Um, 
and it, it, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how this game goes because you just don't know what you're going to get from them apart from the fact that they're not going to give you anything easy yeah I think I think if you looked at this roster the Patriots roster with almost any other coach you'd be like yeah Six and ten. I, I think it's like what a five and a half point favourite the Seahawks are I think so it's like but first time in 64 games they've opened as underdogs at Vegas, yeah. from Vegas. it's ridiculous I mean even in even in Seattle on prime time probably would be one where they could lose it but I think with any other team you'd kind of be like right yeah Cam Newton's good but I mean they ran the ball 42 43 times on Sunday against the Dolphins Cam Newton ran it 15 times scored two touchdowns I mean as Pete Pete mentioned too earlier on his press conference that's not what a Tom Brady Patriots did and that's just another testament to how good and how far ahead of everyone else Bill Belichick is because he's just he's changed it as you say with no preseason, no real acti- game activity to get I mean Cam Newton didn't sign till what end of July either and it's it's just like uh, there's a weird amount of distaste for the Patriots and Seahawks fandom and I don't yeah, really I get, get it, it. do not get it at all I just kind of watch I just kind of watch it and just like this you know, like it's every every obviously they push the envelope on certain things and bend the rules but look at the amount of players the Seahawks had suspended for Adderall when Pete Carroll first got into uh, town so yeah I, I just enjoy watching everything I mean yeah everything about Bill Belichick and Patriots is something you can kind of yeah you need to just kind of take it for what it is and just kind of enjoy it apart from for these three and a half four hours on Sunday night Adam couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking forward to to the game just to see how the two eldest coaches in the league by a mile just kind of stack up against each other. You know, there's clearly, a, I think we said this when we did the podcast uh, when we played them four years ago. It's the one team that Bill Belichick clearly respects. Yeah, agree. Also, I think I may be wrong. I think the last time Cam Newton played in Seattle, Adam, we were there. <laughs> Five years ago, four years ago, five years ago, the Panthers come back late and yeah, uh, ruined my. Well, I was absolutely blitz with you and Will Travers up in the gods, but yeah, in a rainy day. They're very rainy. Was that? Yeah, it would have been because every other time has been in, in Carolina since then, hasn't it? And yeah, it feels like it. Obviously, we're not playing the Panthers this year. So yeah, is it the, I mean, that wasn't great, but it's. It was, it was interesting to see how they used Cam Newton. He was more straight down the line. He was still taking the hits. He's still, he's still doing his dancing and prancing. It's another thing. Like Bill's letting Cam be Cam, isn't he? Yeah. And, you know, Belichick isn't stupid by a long shot. He's going to know how to get the best out of all of his players. Um, and I'm interested to see how the, how the team can line up against that because he's a fucking load when he's running at you. <laughs> like, he's, he's probably the best red zone running quarterback well he almost he's he's going to go to the Hall of Fame I think he should do because of his running prowess like he is pretty much completely unique in what he in what he's done yep and uh, he's amazing when, yeah. when he's like that yeah I mean he's played this sport for what 12 13 years of his life and, and apart from the past 18 apart from the past 18 months he's won yeah. for every single aspect and game he's played in apart from the past 18 to 20 months so yeah and his teams haven't always been good but he's no. always been unstoppable at what yeah. he wants to do yeah and, and like, it, imagine if McCaffrey had got to Carolina 
two years earlier. Yeah. A ridiculous, ridiculous team that was. Uh, defensively for the Patriots, Stefan Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year, started off the season with his first interception. He intercepted Fitzpatrick three times on Sunday. Adrian Phillips and JC Jackson with the other two. They have a, a Bill Belichick is kind of like Pete Carroll. He's a defensive coach and. If one area of the team is going to be good year on year, it's that defensive secondary. And with Gilmore and the McCourties as well, that is, as you said, with DK, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a sterner test for DK, Tyler, and the rest of them, isn't it, this week? Yeah, I mean, Patriots fans probably wish Gilmore could have uh, picked Fitzpatrick off at the end of last year on Devontae <laughs> Parker with about 17 consecutive passes that, that beat him. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great test. I mean, it's. You know, for for our for the young receivers, and if there is a new style of Seahawks offense, it'd be great to see how that how that works against them. I have a feeling, not a fear, because I don't know if it will work or not, but I have a feeling that Carroll might regress a bit more to the mean uh-huh. this week than last week. I think he might try and look a bit more to his his basics, and you know, almost in a way of not to lose the game as opposed to try and go and win it, which may work, it may not work. Um, and I think it will certainly frustrate people. Um, but I think that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But it, it's going to be a heck of a test. And it's it's not going to be the hardest game on paper this year by a long shot. But the Patriots have never been the hardest game on paper for anyone. Mm-hmm. And they always win. So <laughs> if anything, I think if if there, if this is, team is going to be, you know, a contender for maybe maybe the first, first seed in, in the NFC, you know, or, or even you know just home field advantage, which we've, which we've not had for five yeah. five years, four years maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the Detroit game when Paul Richardson yeah. pulled over the guy's yeah, head yeah, yeah. four years. Like, I think this is going to be the kind of game where we're going to work out if this is a home field advantage or you know on the road again in, in wildcard weekend. Yeah, also there is one thing with that. It's one of the plays which I think Sean brought up when we asked people for their favourite plays. Russell Wilson ran a play on the read option deal mm. 25, 30 yards on Sunday. And then we didn't see it again for the rest of the game. I mean, not to give Schottenheimer too much credit, but Bill Belichick is going to watch that play about 30, 40 times at least as uh, Lamar's kicks off behind me. Um, yeah, it's like that's such a small little thing where Pete Carroll is clearly. I mean, it's probably giving Shotty and him too much credit, but Bill Belichick is going to pour over that one play so much, but that's another aspect where we could really get to them because they're going to try and pen in and pen in Carson, pen in Russell Wilson, be really aggressive with uh, Chase Vinovich and all the rest of their no-name pass rushes. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, Carol Belichick is like Wenger Fergie, isn't it? Like, yeah. obviously, the Wenger thing again with Pete Carroll. <laughs> I didn't mean that, but it's, it's what it is. Like, they they are, I mean, it's 69 year old against a 68 year old, the oldest combined age of coaches in an NFL matchup, I think it is, ever as well. So, it's just, it's going to be so much fun. It's, it's also going to be the first and probably the biggest example of fuck, man, there's no fans. Yeah. I mean, Belichick is famed for taking away the best thing that you do yeah. you have now yeah. I'm him you know I would say Tyler Lockett is the Seahawks best receiver but I don't think that's the guy they're going to be like we've got no. for me DK Metcalf the plan will be for him to have less than three catches yeah so it's going to be on the tight ends it's going to be on the you know 
dump offs to the running backs? Can Tyler Lockett get nine or ten catches? And is there a way you can just spring DK for kind of one just long heave, maybe? Because I think that's probably going to be the area they target with their you know, they're famed for putting their number one quarterback on on the number two receiver. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Gilmore follows uh, Lockett the whole way around, and then they put their number two cornerback and safety help on Metcalf for the entire game. They're, yeah. famed, for, they're famed for doing that. Yeah. Um, again, I think Lockett is our best receiver, but in this instance, the, the explosiveness of, of what Metcalf can do is probably going to be the guy that they focus on. So it's going to be interesting to see how like the tight ends can... You know, for me, I'm just thinking about one-to-one. I think Will Disley is the guy that could, could make all the difference for us this week. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, but like with Ty Lockett, he is probably our best receiver still, but he had eight for 92. Metcalf went three yards further for half the catches. Yeah. Like he, that is it's exactly what... Bill Belichick is not going to want like he would probably not quite he would quite happily let Tyler Lockett get eight catches for 92 and no touchdowns yeah. if DK has three for 35 and no touchdowns 100% couldn't agree yeah, yeah. Um, defensively though obviously we talked about Cam Sonia Michelle is their running back James White also JJ Taylor had a pretty impressive opening salvo to his 2020 season Julian Edelman's still there then it's just kind of a bit of a mishmash but as we keep saying Bill Belichick is going to put up a team which is going to be a test but I mean Jamal has some is probably has more knowledge on this on on those receivers and those running backs than anyone in the Seahawks building and he is he's going to be a defensive thing they're going to kind of run out and try and negate isn't he yeah I mean I have to I'd be disappointed they scored more than 23 points yeah I'll tell you that I'll tell and I think it's kind of on the steel to, to get 24 plus um, yep. you know, can you put four drives together that end you know, three in the end zone and one, one with a kick um, I think if you get 24 you win the game yeah uh, yeah, I mean, they kept obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick and Russell Wilson is not a conversation many people would have, but they didn't have, they kept a Miami receiver under 50 yards, every single one of them. Mm. But then only Edelman went above 50 for the Patriots. And it's, yeah, I, I, I can't, like, I know it's in the song, the awful song that Carrie Underwood sings before the game, waiting all day for Sunday night. It's just what Sunday's going to be, isn't it, Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for it. I'm absolutely buzzing for it. Yeah, uh, score prediction, one that you want to, obviously, Disney, defensive one you're kind of interested to see something from? Uh, I want to see if Jordan Brooks makes makes an impact. Um, I, I said to you last week I want to do kind of like a, a rookie watch and keep tabs on the draft. And then, and then all of them are inactive. <laughs> yeah, then all of them are inactive. Um, I didn't see Jordan Brooks flash particularly. There, there is one play down near the end zone where Bobby Wagner goes the wrong way and Jordan Brooks doesn't and makes I don't think he makes a stop but he forces it back to the side and obviously Jamal Adams makes a tackle I think that's I think Alistair pointed that out as well I think that's the one pop he had but I think he only saw the field about 22 times on Sunday so obviously but yeah no I think Brooks Obviously, a lot of positives from Sunday. We, I think we talked We talked when we were doing the rewatches during the off-season with the difference from Marshall and Lynch 2013 to Chris Carson 2018-2019. The difference from Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde to Travis Homer on Sunday was yeah. um, interesting, especially when you've got a relatively... I mean, you've got a draft pick inactive at the same position. I know Homer was as well, but 
DJ, <laughs> I'm going to be like the weirdest DJ Dallas fan for the first two weeks of the season, but like, I, I didn't see anything to keep Homer on the feet, on the active list this Sunday. If that's, I guess you, you want someone that can catch, you know, a pass out of the backfield, but you know, if, if anything, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Penny comes back. If mm. Dallas then takes Carlos Hyde's spot, because they can be a bit more reliant on, on Penny as a, as a catcher. Uh, I just wonder if they feel like Carson and Dallas and Homer is a bit much, but then also, you know, Carson and Hyde and Dallas, does that give you enough versatility in the back? I, I don't know, but yeah. the, Homer, the Homer experiment was weird. And it, from memory, I don't think he had a cat. He had a touch. I mean, I mean, yeah, like it wasn't his fault for the play call, but the fourth and five is made dramatic being a fourth and five because Travis Homer just goes nowhere Yeah, with a play call, which is quite bizarre. But yeah, I, uh, again, I think Dan Cohen, our one listener, may enjoy this. I want DJ Dallas on that field. CJ Procise had his game against the Patriots four years ago. And yeah. I think that's kind of somewhat, I think that is the most consistent comparison that come out of camp from like the, the little things that reporters were allowed to say and the coaches said. I think DJ Dallas, CJ Procise is kind of a, a fair comp and expectations of how he's going to be used that we can make, isn't it? So, I mean, what a better time on a Sunday night with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth not wanting to talk about anthem protests after 45 seconds of a broadcast. Yeah, I um, I heard that Al Michaels was going to be on, on Seattle radio this week and I at that point I didn't realise the game was Sunday night football and I heard Al Michaels, like, why is he on? Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, it's a half one kickoff. And then after <laughs> Sunday night football. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I thought DJ Dallas was more of a banger than, than Carson was, as opposed to get banged up. But um, <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe he's a bit, bit shiftier. So yeah. let's, see, let's see what happens with that. Yeah, uh, prediction, score prediction. 23-19 Seattle. I'm not sure how that works, but 23-19. Maybe Scorigami, who knows. Um, I'm going to go 26-20. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think Cam Newton throws a touchdown on Sunday. Okay. Nice one, nice That's one. A, you got a bold prediction? Let's, let's turn this into Total Access game day morning. Uh, let's do that. <laughs> I will go David Moore has a touchdown catch. Oh, like that, like it, like it. I mean, his end around was an adventure for 12 yards um, on Sunday. Uh, anything other NFL news? Obviously, we talked about NFC West, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys kind of looked a lot like Dak Prescott and the um, Jason Garrett Cowboys on Sunday evening. Uh yeah, very a very strange evening that was in LA. But anything else could catch your attention? Joe Burrow looked pretty damn good. I thought he looked good, apart from that shovel pass, which was a real shame. Uh, there's no way Randy Bullock was injured. The classic, oh, miss a chance. Sorry, Gaffer, my hammy's gone. Uh, bullshit. And I wanted to give a shout out uh, of all people, Pittsburgh Steelers right tackle Zach Banner, who. Uh, not only who will know, but over the off season was a tremendous supporter of the Jewish community um, throughout. And um, you know, I'm obviously Jewish, and uh, we don't get that much you know, all times kind of praise and, and support from from some celebrities and stars that you know sometimes 
feel a little bit lost in, in it uh, in a midst and you know, on our own island. So to see people come out in support of us was uh, incredibly touching, actually. And I reached out and, and sent him a message and whatever. And he, he unfortunately uh, did his ACL on Monday mm. in a game that he has really fought hard to start in. And uh, it was shit to, to see that happen. So just wanted to send a bit of love to him and uh, wish him a speedy recovery and um, hope to see him back on the field next year because, uh, yeah, he seems like a, a, a great guy. Yeah, a USC guy, I think one in Pete Carroll's last recruiting class, I think, as well. Um, also on Monday night, Herb Street and Fowler were DSPM finally solved it, although they haven't solved it because it's for one week only. They were, I mean, Herb Street got a lot of names wrong, but they were pretty damn good. I mean, they were probably the best team I heard over the weekend. Adam Amin is probably my favourite. I mean, we had him for the Falcons game. He's so good on the college games with Hasselbeck last year. But yeah, Herb Street and Fowler kicked nailed it on Monday night. I didn't hear much of it. I was, uh, I had to say I was sleeping on Monday night. I had to get out. <laughs> but, uh, no, but for, by all accounts, the uh, yeah, apart from getting names wrong, he was uh, he was pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, and also a weird point where he spent a whole drive bigging up Daniel Jones, and then he threw the worst interception <laughs> of the um, week. And uh, getting a bin quickly. Yeah, let's do a quick one. Uh, this should be quite easy this week. Adam, skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah, I I generally don't mind Skip Bayless because he's there to entertain yeah. and I think in general he does and I think Shannon Sharp does a great job of entertaining um, but I think when you cross the line in 2020 and start talking about mental weakness with depression uh, or that it or intimating that depression is a sign of weakness and lack of leadership and something that you could lose respect over I think even though it's a bit and it's a character that he's playing I think you really need to kind of assess you know your responsibility as, as a broadcaster to millions of people mm. um, and I, I thought that was really bad um, and disrespectful to anyone suffering um, with, with you know with, with the horrific disease that is depression yeah. um, and to double down on it I thought really compounded it obviously yeah, you know, he, he tried to pussyfoot around it, and I, I kind of saw what he was trying to say, but he obviously in a, in a bad way and didn't apologise. Which, yeah, you know, people say stupid things, but you know, you give a heartfelt apology, and you'll probably get back in, yeah. back in the good books. And um, you know, look, if anyone out there is listening, struggling, we're obviously here to for you to reach out and give us a shout because we obviously want to give as much help to anyone as we can do. Um, and if you did hear Bayliss's comments, I want you all to know that it was complete nonsense and it's not a sign of weakness at all it's uh you know something that we want everyone to try and help get through so um hopefully don't don't take that to heart because it was pretty disgusting yeah i mean like we raised a fair amount of money for linsky's hope and their whole thing is mental health awareness in college campuses which is sort of the imagine the demographic for that tv show is a lot of college campuses and it was just I mean, Dak Prescott come out of that looking in the whole thing. I mean, him being so open. I mean, there was, there's a lot of talk about how the role of a quarterback, how important it is to everything. Obviously, it's, it's the brand of every team. But the brand of every team can take the, the change of direction, which Dak is clearly trying to be at the forefront. Obviously, the, last year was a year of the black quarterbacks with Deshaun and Russell and Lamar and Mahomes and Dak himself. But this is kind of changing that a little bit more. And it's just kind of from someone who claims to be a Dallas Cowboys fan, just having a complete lack of 
I mean, there's almost like a weird thing in sports fandom where you kind of give one of your own a little bit more room for th- openness and for whatever kind of thing, don't you? Because if it's you know, if an, like an Arsenal player did something, but then Harry Kane did the same a week later, you kind of react in two different ways, aren't you? For the most part, but yeah, it was it was disgraceful how people dealt with it, and the fact he's still employed by Fox Sports is somewhat surprising, but then not surprising at the same time it was yeah um, yeah it was just it was awful 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 thing to say with a platform he is afforded through no real means of talent yes i would uh well i unfortunately i think to say he's not talented it would be unfair because he plays an incredible character and does a very good job yeah. of it but obviously it's an anti-hero and it's so not on to be be popular so i think there's he's, he's certainly a talented person but just not necessarily using his talents in a way that uh he maybe could or, or otherwise should uh, yeah anyone else for the bin on a more light-hearted note <laughs> more light-hearted <laughs> note yeah i'm sure there's going to be a couple um what have we got oh whoever allowed the cardinals and the 49ers to wear those uniforms against each other <laughs> I mean, I think you, I think I saw you tweet. Is it Damashek you tweeted about it? Yeah, he uh, he wasn't happy with the card. Red trousers. I'm looking at I'm looking at what your setup is, and you've got this red curtain with some gold motif behind it, and that literally is what it looked like uh, on on the screen. Uh, we're trying to watch the, the Niners Cardinals replace your curtains behind you. Um, it, it, it was unwatchable. I've never realised they are very Niners colours, aren't they? They're yeah. very Niners colours. You might, might want to check that. Yeah. Um, it was unwatchable. Um, so that that's going in my bin. Whoever sanctioned that the red trousers for the Cardinals. Yeah, and um, I don't think I have another in the bin. I think Skip Bayless was so egregiously bin worthy. I think I kind of to, oh, no. I think I think we've seen earlier today with. Again, another use of college football players as pawns in a wildly unfair to them game of chess, Adam. Big Ten announcing the football will be back on the 24th of October because, I don't know, West Virginia play the game. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to a game of football on Friday and I've had to do days worth of test uh, questionnaires and stuff going to be tested before I go in. They're, I'm not like yeah. It's just college football kicking itself in its own genitalia again, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's there is partly the element that the players do want to play, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me like there's quite a few players that are would be very happy to take the risk of getting COVID in order to play and potentially advance their careers. Yeah. Again, position. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that stance, but as a 19-year-old who feels that they're immortal, I can kind of understand it. Uh, but then when you see that Ed Orgeron, like not with much shame, announcing that like over half the LSU team have had mm. COVID, you just wonder kind of what, what the deal is. Um, but, but look, someone's going to look stupid one, one way or the other because the SEC and the you know the, the 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 ACC they're either going to have successful seasons and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to look stupid or they're going to come down with the mother of all number of cases and they're going to look stupid so whichever way it goes you're kind of rooting not you're not rooting but someone's going to get ill either way and uh, and that that's obviously unfortunate you're either going to get ill or people are going to miss out yeah. and, uh, you know either one of those is quite an unfortunate unfortunate thing yeah and then there's a full 
or half a country of West Coast collegiate fans. Obviously, Softy is someone who you talk to regularly and follow. We both follow, and he, he yeah, yeah. I mean, Pac-12 is not it's not having a great run of things again, are they? No, they're not. But again, they might come out looking like the smart ones and all of yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I mean, who yeah. knows? Who yeah. Knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that is everything. This year was played Sunday night, as we say, a late one on Sky Sports. Um, yeah, but also talking about late ones. I mean, uh, are you going to be staying up for Cleveland, Cincinnati on Thursday night football tomorrow? I am not. <laughs> I mean, like, I didn't really understand why Giants Steelers was the first Monday night game of the season. I, mean, I, don't, I, love, I, love Joe, I, I would watch Joe Burrow. I still don't mind Baker. I want to see Odell maybe catch one pass on a fancy team. Um, it's probably not the worst iteration of the Browns Bengals you're ever going to see, but quite a good six o'clock Sunday afternoon, just kind of ease yourself into game, not yeah. a Thursday nighter. No, I think it is every year as well. Also, Baker Mayfield uh, is skirmishing the edge of the bin as well because he stood up quickly for one thing and well not really standing up for anything at the same time um, yeah and then next week is the Dallas Cowboys and that may well be on Sky I think also talking of Sky Adam our pal and podcast guest Cliff Averill made a week one appearance with Neil and the guys I mean it's always yeah. when you turn your TV on and Cliff ridiculous man cave wall is there he did. I was uh, I was WhatsApping him during the thing, and we were both bemoaning the frequency of defensive pass interference flags, which <laughs> they're starting to get on my nerves. But we can go into that more next week because uh, the punishment is not befitting the crime of that anymore. They're they're just it's just driving me insane. Yeah, uh, I think Tom Brady. I think they said lost 160 yards in in passing yards on three pi calls on Sunday night against the Saints. <laughs> Obviously, his performance has been derided somewhat, but if, he, if Mike Evans or whoever else comes down with them, it, it looks a hell of a lot better. Uh, yeah, if you want to get involved with the podcast, all you can. We do appreciate everyone who actually commented and got involved with the podcast yeah, this week. Great. Really is appreciated, and hopefully that will continue through the season. All the usual means and methods Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, UK Seattle Seahawks fans on Facebook, at Seahawks UK on Twitter, the Pedestrian Podcast. Uh, dot podbean dot com uh, yeah I think that is all until next time this has been the pedestrian podcast and Adam go well cheers <laughs> go Hawks I mean, this is what it is. We can own the freaking place, just like we own it at home. Let's make sure we understand how we, we control the whole thing from start to finish. Offense, you did a great freaking job. This day extended the whole time. It really looked like the way you've been practicing. That's so important, the way we've been practicing. When we do that, fellas, ain't nothing anybody else can do about it. And we're on our way, we're ready to go. Hey, we're coming home next week. We'll figure out when that is. But uh, I want to make sure. Let, let's make sure we capture how, how, how all that we've gone through to get to this point, and you're all stuck together, and we hung together, and we're just taking that first freaking step, and then we'll take Take another one next week.